Happy New Year, everyone. You're listening to The Quick Five. I'm Tyler. I'm Jamie. On today's show, it's going to be a special extended episode that will go well beyond our normal time as we uh, recap and review Cobra Kai Season 3 and Wonder Woman 1984, as well as go off the top rope. And uh, Jamie's going to be talking about the passing of Brody Lee, as well as Wrestle Kingdom number 15, Night 1. So let's start the show. Jamie? Is this where I put in the song? No. Oh, man, I had to... Okay, so... Because I had it lined up too, like I had a symphony and everything, and um, eh, screw it. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's that time again, going off the top rope, the first of uh, 2021, and uh, and the highly anticipated two night event of Wrestle Kingdom 15 was underway last night. And, uh, well, some of the more notable matches that was on the card was uh, uh, El Fantasmo, the Super J-Cup 2020 uh, winner, challenging the best of the Super Junior winner, Hiromu Takahashi. And the winner of that match would go on to challenge uh, uh, Taiji Ishimori on night two of Wrestle Kingdom 15 for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Um with uh, Hiromu Takahashi uh, in, a, in a fantastic match against El Fantasmo, getting the win over ELP. So he will be challenging for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Crown. Um, in tag team action, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga and Tangaloa, challenged uh, by way of uh, their win at World Tag League. They challenged the Dangerous Techers, the team of Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi. For the IWGP Heavyweight Championships, uh, Tag Team Championships rather, and uh, in 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 another and fantastic match, which was of course considered a really really brutal war, and I can attest to that. That was it was just such an amazing match, and for the seventh time in their careers, uh, the Gorillas of Destiny have become the IWGP Tag Team Champions, and hey, now now talks can be considered as to whether they could be. Uh, you know, among the greatest tag teams of all time in New Japan. I'll leave that to the critics and stuff. But nevertheless, the the resume is is spiked up tremendously. In the main event, Kota Ibushi defeated Tetsuya Naito to become the IWGP heavyweight and IWGP intercontinental champion um, for the first time in his career. Uh, was, this was something that has eluded him for the past couple of years, but he was finally able to pull it off. Uh, and now he's got his, the number one contender uh, challenging him, Jay White, by way of beating Kota Ibushi for the rights to challenge him for both titles, will be challenging him tonight for for the double gold. And, uh, well, we're just going to have to see. And as for tonight, we still got... Um, a whole bunch of stuff, uh, you know, still left to uh, still left to 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 see. Uh, we got uh, Suzuki Goon going one on go and uh, uh, taking on the team of uh, Ryusuke Taguchi and Master Wado. Uh, Shingo Takagi will take on Jeff Cobb for the Never Openweight Championship. Um, former allies will go one on one as Evil will take on Sonata. As mentioned before, Taiji Ishimori will take on Hiromu Takahashi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. And in the main event, Kota Ibushi will take on Jay White for the double gold crown. And that's and that's that for the Wrestle Kingdom uh, 15 Night 2 card. 
Um, that's it for in terms of New Japan. And now I want to uh, uh, point uh, our attention to the passing of Mr. John Hubber. Uh, WWE fans know him as Luke Harper. AEW fans know him as Brody Lee. Um, but to those that knew him, he was a friend, a very dear friend. And uh, it, it and uh, I like to pay. Well, we here at Quick Five like to give our condolences to the family and friends of Mr. John Hubber. Yes, um, he was such an amazing performer. Um, in fact, of the Wyatt family, I would consider him uh, probably my favorite uh, member of of the group because he was just such a such a standout character and uh, really good in ring work. And um, this is to, to say this is a to say this is a, a devastating loss is an understatement of the year. And most of uh, the things I've heard about him was the fact that he was a tremendous father and a great husband. And, um, and I believe all that because, you know, I've heard like a lot of stories about like how he was such a great man behind the scenes and stuff. And just, uh, this is definitely a great loss because he, uh, he was, he was a great in ring performer, like I said, and preser with him. And uh, present with uh, the families, and um, may he rest in peace. May he rest and in that, peace. And that is me going off the top rope. Thanks, Jamie. So uh, now I'm going to be giving my uh, recap and review of Cobra Kai season three, and also Wonder Woman 1984. So um, now, Jamie, you haven't seen both, correct? Correct. All right. So this is going to be like very spoiler heavy, but you know, uh, you and I are you know fans of the Karate Kid. Not so much Cobra Kai, but we are. You know, we do respect the show. And I eventually will watch it yeah. in time. Have you seen season yeah. one yet, or no? I think you did, didn't you? I've seen an episode of season one. Okay. okay. Not, but not season one as a whole. Okay. So for me, I've um, I've seen season one. Uh, I saw it when it first came out, and uh, you know, it was fine. It was you know, um, it wasn't like. It was well done, but, you know, it wasn't enough for me to really, you know, get invested in the show. So I'll be giving a recap of uh, this season. Um, it will be with some detail, but there are, are things that uh, I will have left out and then I'll give my review. I primarily watched the season because I thought I saw in the credits that Robert Mark Kamen, the creator and writer of the first three films, wrote the last two episodes. But no, he did not, though. I was curious to see how they would resolve the leftover story from Karate Kid 2 with uh, Kimiko and Chosen. So please note, I'm still not really invested in this show. Like I, like I said, I watched the first season when it came out and I I liked it, but it wasn't enough to come back for the second season. I skipped the second season anyway and have no intention of watching it, but this season does catch you up. What I really like is that the characters really are, I mean, well, that the creators, I mean, are really fans of the source material and have a great respect for it. That fandom is, and reverence is reflected in the show. There is a lot of heart to it, dude. So... Season two ended with a big brawl at the high school between Miyagi-Do and, and Cobra Kai. Miguel, who was part of Cobra Kai and the new uh, All-Valley Karate Champ, took a kick from Robbie, Johnny's son, and fell down the stairwell and injured his spine on a railing. When we pick up uh, on season three... Damn. Yeah. When we pick up on season three, he's in the hospital and may not walk again. Spoilers, he does. Uh, Johnny Lawrence, uh, while ousted from Cobra Kai by Kreese uh, and losing his students and the dojo, now has nothing once again. But he makes it his mission to try and help to get Miguel to walk again. Sam, Daniel's daughter, is going through some PTSD from the fight and her rivalry with Tori, who is the HBIC at Cobra Kai, and her arch nemesis. Daniel helps her get through it, though. Uh, Kreese declares open season on Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai's, uh, you know, starts to 
harass them all again. So there was a big climactic battle at the end of the season again with Cobra with the Cobra Kids versus Miyagi Do. But this time, uh, Sam and Miguel persuade some of the other uh, Cobra Kids who were abandoned by Kreese to join forces against Cobra Kai. So uh, the stuff with the now, all right. So the stuff with the teens, uh, I'm not. I wasn't really invested in. It's not that it's bad because it's not. All the younger actors turn in great performances. You care about their story. But some of it's just like melodramatic teenage angst stuff. Like think of uh, Daniel and Johnny's story and the rivalry from the original film, but just done with multiple kids, which is the point because their rivalry has spilled on to these kids. Uh, like I said, it's good, but it just doesn't grab me. But of course, that's also due to the fact that, you know, older viewers are not the target audience for that part of the story. So younger viewers will most likely, you know, get more out of it. So as for Daniel and Johnny, uh, they go after Johnny's son, Robbie, who is wanted by the cops because of the incident at the school. He ran away and stole one of Daniel's cars from his dealership. Johnny and Daniel have another disagreement and they go their separate ways once again. Daniel finds Robbie, thanks to Robbie's mother, and he gets turned in and taken away to juvie by the police. Which is, uh, you know, he's very pissed about it, but it was the right thing to do for his sake. Johnny, meanwhile, tries to visit and repair his relationship with his estranged son, but Robbie wants nothing to do with him or Daniel. Kreese later uh, has him join Cobra Kai. All right, so Dan, dude. All right, so Daniel has a subplot where he's going to lose his car dealership partly because his reputation is ruined due to the fight at the school involving his daughter, and also his business rival convinced Doyona Industries to cut ties with his business. So then he has to go all the way to, you guessed it, Japan in order to save his business. Now Doyona rejects Daniel, and while he reminisces about Mr. Miyagi at a hotel bar, the bartender tells him that just because someone is gone doesn't mean you still can't see them. So this prompts Daniel to head to Tomi Village. Now, the first thing I thought of, it was like, no lie. The first thing I thought of when Daniel was going to head to Tomi Village was like, watch, it's like all gentrified and all modernized and shit. And sure enough, it was. Uh, it was turned into, uh, dude, it was turned into a strip mall. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was turned into a strip mall. Like it had red lobster and everything. It was so weird, but it was, it made sense, you know. So it was turned into a strip mall thanks to Sato who sold the land. Daniel learns from the clerk at the information desk that the people of the village were happy because now this created jobs and better housing for them. And that's fair because, you know, if you remember, Tomi was a poor village. And oh, now, yeah. Yeah, and now they are much better off than they were. So anyway, at the mall, uh, he runs into Kimiko, who is still teaching dance. They catch up. So she's not married, uh, of course, but unlike Wonder Woman, she has dated since then, but uh, has also been living her life. Uh, she reads him letters from her aunt and Mr. Miyagi, as well as more recent letters uh, that he spent that he, uh, you know, that that her aunt has also been sending to him and all the, and Mr. Miyagi and all that stuff before his passing. So uh, and and it really does hit home for Daniel, and it is what he needed. As they continue to catch up, Chosen enters, and it is awesome. So he's still completely pissed off, uh, and still wants, but he still wants to be a good host, and buys Daniel a drink at the bar, and then loudly exclaims that he doesn't drink. So uh, you know, so like, because when Daniel says, "Hey, you want to drink something?" He's like, "I don't drink." I'm like, "Oh, geez." So. <laughs> Yeah, so he just stares at him pissed the entire time. Then it's revealed that Kimiko called Chosen so they can catch, so they can like patch things up. Uh, so then she just leaves them. Later, Chosen and Daniel, they spar, and Daniel finds out that Miyagi didn't teach him everything, which allows Chosen to finally get his revenge by using pressure points to temporarily cripple Daniel as he tweaks his nose and laughs. Like you see him, he's like, he has him in the same pose as uh, Karate Kid Part 2 at the end, yeah. and then he's like, I've been waiting years for this. And then he goes, uh, you know, 
know, tweaks his nose and then he just starts, yeah. he starts cracking up. And so uh, after that, like Daniel figures that the reason that those techniques weren't taught to him was because uh, they were for more brutal attacks and Miyagi didn't want to show Daniel that. So Chosen teaches him the pressure point techniques, I guess, in an afternoon because Daniel leaves, you know, the same day. So then he and Chosen part ways uh, with things now better between them. I really liked what they did with Chosen uh, because like... Before Daniel has back to the States, you can see that he has so much regret and shame for his past actions, and he can almost barely look at Daniel in the eye, you know? Um, and there was a lot of growth to him in a way, and, it, and you almost kind of want to give the guy a hug and tell him, nah, dude, it's all right, you know? But Chosen then gives Daniel the Miyagi family scroll for Daniel to keep. So this has some other, like, fighting techniques and Miyagi history or whatever. So I was like, that, that was nice, you know? Now, here's where it gets even crazier. So before Daniel heads back to the States, he meets up with Kimiko again to say goodbye, but she has another surprise for him. She told him earlier that if you put a good out into the world, it will come back to you. Well, Kimiko reintroduces Daniel to Yuna. I say reintroduces because she was the girl he saved during the typhoon in part two. Yeah, I heard about this part. Yeah, so uh, I doubt it's the same actress. So it turns out that Yuna (laughs) is also the vice president of sales for Doyona. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And right then and there, she helps him save his business. Like, that's done. And I, I mean, okay. that's literally done because that's the last you hear of that subplot because it's barely mentioned when Daniel gets back home. So Kimiko was like the deus ex machina of that part of the story. She helped Daniel resolve his issues with Chosen and then called the one person who literally could save his business. Like, I like I know she told him that if you put good out into the world, it will come back to you. But like, she wasn't fucking around. Like, <laughs> like damn, dude. But yeah, it, w- it was cool to see. Um, it was cool to see Kimmy go back and and uh, like I said, chosen. And it was great to see them and their arcs. But and of course, like that episode is those. There are two episodes where they show up and then that's it. They should have. They should have. They should have celebrated by doing the obon dance. You yeah. know, at, a, at the castle. Yeah. You know? So, so uh, yeah. Like, yeah, my business good. is safe. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So then, anyway, back to Johnny. He reconnects with Ali on Facebook, and Miguel gives him pointers. Now I should note Bitch. that. Yeah, now I should note that a running gag in this show is that Johnny is very ignorant when it comes to modern technology. The creators called him an unfrozen 80s caveman. And while it is funny, it can get borderline stupid at times. Like, for example, he doesn't know how to charge a laptop because since he's told it's wireless, he thinks it literally doesn't need any wires to do anything. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh, my God, are you fucking serious? So anyway, uh, Miguel runs into Tori, who never visited him at the hospital. She regrets that, but she uh, wants him to come back to Cobra Kai. He says no. He's back with Johnny, and she feels that Johnny abandoned them, and she's going along with Kreese's teachings. So all of the kids who are part of Cobra Kai are mostly, like, troubled in some way, and they just need better guidance, but Kreese is just, you know, feeding their darkness. So um, they get into another argument. Uh, she leaves, and this causes Miguel to lash out at Johnny, which then, ca- which then like, uh, fuels him to, like, basically just stand up on his own uh also note that miguel did have surgery prior to all this but now he's like you know now it just like kicked in i guess he needed that emotional i don't know surge of energy whatever it, he's he, he can walk again he's fine he, he he now now when he was paralyzed was it because someone did that crane crap you know no he got he got kicked in the fucking like chest and knocked off about you can you can get kicked in the chest with that crane crap it wasn't you know? crane crap unfortunately but that would have been ironic it would have because he did use the crane kick to win the tournament of course. Yeah, yeah he, he used that crane crap. 
Johnny then later forms Eagle Fang Karate and takes the students that Kreese kicked out of Cobra Kai under his wing, no pun intended. Johnny also sleeps with Miguel's mother and they start to rekindle their relationship. But Johnny's still trying to figure out his feelings for her, even though he almost kisses Allie, but whatever. So later he does meet up with Allie, once again played by Elizabeth Chu, who is in town visiting her parents for the holidays. That's Allie with an A, by the way. That's right. They make that joke. And uh, he he tells her truthfully uh, about like what his life has been like since they last saw each other. She also tells him that she's getting divorced and she also has two kids. Uh, they then go to the same like fair uh, from the first movie. And I think it even has like the, the same song that was playing during that montage. Um, they almost kiss but get interrupted by a text message reminding her about the Christmas party she's supposed to attend. She invites Johnny to be her plus one and he accepts. Now, the party is also a reference to that formal dinner from the first movie because I think it's at the same country club. So that's pretty interesting. Where those two lovebirds were having problems, as the father would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crane crap. Yeah. So then uh, back in the States, Daniel comes home and his wife uh, fills him in on what has happened while he was away. Uh, he helps his daughter overcome her PTSD and uh, later sitting uh, in his old car that Mr. Miyagi gave him. He has a heart to heart with Miguel, who is now seemingly dating his daughter, Sam. So what's funny about that is that um, he caught them making out in, the, in their, in, you know, in the dojo and tells her, while he accepts the fact that she's growing up, he mentions, and I'm paraphrasing, it's like, um, you were you were with this guy, then you were with your last boyfriend, and then Miguel, and then Robbie, and now Miguel again. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, she's just bouncing around from, like, dudes. And it's like, what the fuck's going on? There's some fans have issues with that as well. And she, was, uh, and she was one of the main catalysts for the brawl at the end of season two. So Miguel and Robbie, they have a rivalry for Sam's affections. And during the fight uh, at the school, Robbie angrily kicks Miguel down the stairwell, even though Miguel did win their fight and shows him mercy and wanted it to stop but Robbie's anger and jealousy got the better of him he regrets it but just like his father he is his issues are getting the better of him so earlier in the season uh, Robbie gets out of juvie and rejects both Daniel and Johnny and then finds Sam flirting again with Miguel uh, at the Miyagi dojo and they have an argument uh, he never wrote back to Sam which he technically could have uh, but he was like dealing with like juvie bully issues and shit so Sam made a choice to stick with Miguel and that drove Robbie off and he seeks refuge with Crease, uh, who did visit him prior in juvie uh, there was also a brief subplot. Uh, there was also a brief subplot of canceling the next tournament, and all three of the dojos are there to plead their cases. Um, but everyone is against it because of the incident at the school, and think that karate breeds violent tendencies and in, and incidents like these. And well, I mean, dude, given the evidence in the show, uh, they're not wrong. <laughs> you know. Oh well, well, yeah. You know. But, yeah, but um. But luckily, Sam and Miguel uh, tell the council why you know karate is important to them, and the tournament is back on. Huzzah! Now, throughout the... Uh, Especially with the crane crap. Right. Now, throughout the rest of the season, we get flashbacks to Kreese's tragic past, and we see how he became how he is. So we're at a diner, and we think he's the asshole jock, and then nope, he's the lowly busboy uh, who the jock's girlfriend has feelings for. He fights them off, and they, you know, and then they get together. He then joins the military and meets up with Terry Silver, who they at first make you think is this dude with a ponytail who looks like the actor, but nope. They kill him off and it turns out to be some other guy who is actually Terry. So Kreese and his friends get drafted into an elite group by his commander and they learn, you know, martial arts from that guy and all that stuff and get special training. And then they get captured by the Vietnamese soldiers doing a botched operation and are forced to fight to the death for the, uh, you know, for the Vietnamese soldiers enjoyment. So Kreese saves Terry by going in his place to fight uh, their commander who was also holding back information that Kreese's girlfriend died in a car accident back home. So this devastates Kreese, but uh, he still manages to get the upper hand and kills his 
his commander by knocking him into a snake pit while exclaiming, no mercy. So the U.S. Army arrives and rescues his, uh, you know, his team. And then he lets the other soldiers out. And Terry uh, tells him that whatever you need for the rest of your life, I'll be there. Oh, shit. Yep. So back at the Christmas party, Daniel is also there with his uh, with his wife. Johnny sees him and Allie talking and catching up and gets a little miffed. Allie mentions to them that uh, Johnny and him are more alike than they think, and they have trouble admitting that. So the couple sit down and talk and reminisce. And, you know, what's cool is that the stuff they're talking about are all references to the first film, which is nice from a fan's perspective. Like, you know the, what the conversation's about, all the references they're making. It's really cool. Right, right. So uh, the ladies make light of Johnny and Daniel's, like, rivalry, and at the end, uh, as they are saying their goodbyes, Allie has a heart-to-heart with Johnny, and she helps him finally move forward and also helps him realize that they, you know, that that uh, he really does love Miguel's mom and is going to pursue a relationship with her. Of course, while this party is happening, the final showdown between Cobra Kai and the United Dojos is happening at Daniel's house house so when johnny gets home to confess his feelings to miguel's mom he sees that because they they live at the same apartment complex so he sees that miguel is beat up from the fight and so he goes to confront crease uh they have a showdown and johnny finds out that robbie has joined crease and has made johnny his enemy they have a brief fight and johnny shoves him into some lockers accidentally knocking him out crease uses this opportunity to attempt to kill johnny but daniel then intervenes and joins in on the fight crease lunges at daniel throwing them both out of the window and onto the sidewalk crease then takes a shard of glass and attempts to kill daniel but daniel counters with the pressure points that he learned and temporarily cripples crease but just when he's about to finish him off, Sam and Miguel show up and tell them to stop. They do, and then Kreese makes a proposition. If they win the tournament, Cobra Kai is done, and he will leave for good. Daniel and Johnny accept. Now, in the end, Daniel and Johnny join forces and, and train their students at the Miyagi Dojo together. Throughout the three seasons, uh, the friends who were enemies are now friends once again, and uh, both dojos prepare for the upcoming tournament in season four. Meanwhile, Kreese reaches out to an old friend who we can assume is Terry Silver. But uh, the creators are being very coy about that, even though it's been set up to look that way. So unless it's all misdirection and he's reaching out to like Mike Barnes from part three or someone else. Uh, Try bad boy. Yeah. So but that's uh, that's it. And thus ends season three. Now, overall, I like the season. As I said, the show's creators really have a reverence and respect and love for the original films. Uh, and the series definitely shows that the jokes are never at the franchise's expense and they're very endearing. So throughout this season, There are a lot of references and footage as well uh, of the first three films, and they are all in service of the story and do not feel shoehorned in. Like, dude, this is fan service done right. So, again, it's a real testament to the creators for the respect that they have for this franchise. The show has heart and knows how to also poke fun at itself with, uh, while also giving us, like, dramatic moments. It strikes a good balance and pretty much has the same tone as the original films. Now, as of now, again, I'm still not fully invested in it. But I'm curious what they'll do for season four, which could have been, you know, which could have been set up to be the final season. However, the creators have said that while they do have an endgame in mind, it will not be in season four. You know, they have like seasons worth of stories to tell, according to them. So whether they get there, that's something else entirely. But that being said, where where else are they going to go? Like Daniel and Johnny have now formed an alliance. The stakes have been set. Cobra Kai could be gone forever. I guess we'll most likely get to the origin and rise of Cobra Kai and its history and how Kreese and Terry like formed it and what they did during that period and after. But there's still a danger that the show could wear out its welcome. But, you know, like, who knows? Like now, 
Also, I won't say that Hillary Swank won't show up. At this point, you never know, though. So I'm I'm not expecting her to show up, but I won't be surprised if she does at some point, even if it's just like a cameo at the end or something. That would be interesting. So for fans, it's a great sequel series. For those curious, it's entertaining and lighthearted. It strikes a good balance for old and new fans alike. So definitely worth a look. Sounds like something I'll have to check. I mean, like I said, like I was going to check it out eventually, you know, because like a lot of people are like always talk about it and whatnot. And, and it does pique my interest a little bit but uh but hey as long as next season we see at least if either you know terry crane crap silver or mike barnes karate bad boy like uh i would not that, be surprised i will not be surprised or 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 even or even or even the bitch that like uh friend zoned him in in part three for no reason whatsoever mm-hmm. you know like she just randomly comes out of nowhere just <laughs> i would die laughing if that happened but you know but not as much as Mike Barnes' Karate Bad Boy. No. Yeah, so that was Cobra Kai. Now let's uh, let me give my uh, review here for Wonder Woman 1984. Um, so Patty Jenkins co-wrote the story for this with Jesus Jeff- Eeyore. You mean you? <laughs> yeah. So Patty Jenkins co-wrote the story with this uh, with Jeff Johns, and uh, she did not write the story for the first film. So make note of that. Um, first off, there was no reason that this uh, needed to be set in the 80s. Like, nothing plot-wise, no significance, it just is. So the movie is not a direct sequel to the first one because at this point, Warner Brothers was moving away from the Snyderverse. So this is a loose sequel that does continue the story from, from the original film, but is its own thing and not part of the Snyderverse at all. Now, unfortunately, the movie is not great. Uh, the story is very weak. It's like if the it's like if the greatest hits of your favorite band were performed by a crappy cover band. Like a lot of yeah, a lot of the stuff you like from the first movie was brought back here, but it didn't really work that well. Uh, the Amazons were brought back in the beginning just to inform and pay off a, a lesson that Diana uses later. Chris Pine was brought back because everyone loved their chemistry, and while they do have good chemistry, it was just pointless here. Steve didn't need to be brought back at all. They could have just like used him in a newly filmed flashback, and that would have been enough. Instead, he quantum leaps into like some guy when he's wished back by Diana. He could have just been like wished back for, uh, to existence, but. They didn't do that, sadly. So they made Diana completely dependent on Steve, who barely did anything. And this isn't in her character at all, especially with like the selfish like choice she made. Like Steve was her great love, I guess. But they make it a point that in the years after the first film, she's just solitary and low key, even though even though like she has a job at a museum and is very well liked and popular with people. She could have she could have met she could have met someone in all of that time. And she, you know, and she has in the comics more than once. Right. Anyway, but um, surprisingly, there's like some very chauvinistic things here for a Wonder Woman movie. Also, she fights in secret as Wonder Woman and makes it so like she's barely seen, even though she stops criminals at a mall in the opening of the film in broad daylight in front of onlookers. You know, you're telling me that there is not one artist rendering. And while they make it a point that she does destroy like security cameras, that only takes out the cameras, not the footage itself, you know, of her being like previously recorded. Right, right. Anyway, the invisible jet is in this, except it isn't. It is except it's like just uh, like a jet. She turns invisible using magic that barely that she's barely practiced, and it's used as a throwaway gag. What? So, yeah. So you couldn't just give her an invisible jet. Like in all that time, she couldn't have worked with scientists in secret and helped create one. You know. Also, the gold armor uh, that they make a big deal out of in the in the promos is 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 used at the end, but it's barely needed. Uh, also, you didn't need two villains in this movie. Kristen Wiig's Cheetah character um, had a weak story and wasn't necessary. Uh, she basically had like Riddler's arc from Batman Forever or Electro's arc from Spider-Man 2. So it was like a, you know, it was basically like a mixed bag. 
Um, and it was also mixed a bit with uh, Andrew from Chronicle. Max mm-hmm. Max Lord was a bit better, but that's not saying much. Like none of the villains are really fleshed out or have much dimension to them. So in the end, the story and characters just needed more work. It, it felt really rushed. The performances were good for the most part. Like Pedro Pascal really hams it up and overacts, but he you know he looks to be having fun. While Gal Gadot, of course, was great as well as Chris Pine and Kristen Wiig with the material that they are given. But overall, this movie was a big misfire. So hopefully with part three, what was already, you know, which was already announced would be better. So for this one, you could just skip it. You know, personally, like, okay, so Cheetah and who was the other villain? Max Lord? Yeah. You know, I mean, what they should have done was they should have gone with Vandal Savage and uh, Mixy Spitlick, you know. As a uh, random villains, no reason, just just because they're there, you know. Probably would have been better than what we got, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the next one and what they or, do. Or Hopefully, not, they'll or, learn from this. Or, or if not, maybe like Vandal Savage or the Gentleman Ghost. You know, borrow borrow one of uh, Batman's villains for this. You know. Yeah, but anyway, folks. So that's our Can't episode. Be Beetle. Yeah. So anyway, folks, that's our episode. Um, we want to thank everybody for listening. So uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe, and um, we'll see you next week. Light it up. We're done. Fantastic.